Well, it's Brian, your lunatic friend. I'm still talking about 1984 and trying to get out of the sweet comfort band. There's really no way to quit a band in an easy way. It's like trying to stop an avalanche. But ironically, I felt like nobody was listening to us in the first place, and I was old and tired, because now I'm in my 30s. I simply told the guys that I wasn't going to go on the road anymore and do concerts. But turns out, there's stuff to wrap up if you're going to end something. First of all, we'd only been in a contract with David Bendett for a few months. We might have been spelling his name wrong. His last name might have been Bandit. Because severance pay to get out of a contract with him, he wanted $10,000. You know, for his time. There's a reason lawyers run the music industry. So to avoid a lawsuit, we realized we were going to have to find a way to raise that money. The truth is, you guys need to go out with a little dignity. Ray Ware told us that. He was the head of Street Level Artist Agency. And he came up with a great idea. Just do 10 farewell concerts. You will each get $1,000 per concert to do it. And use the remaining proceeds to pay off off the bills and David Bendett. So getting out of the band would take another six months. But I didn't mind because just one of those concerts was more than I was making in a month. I don't even remember doing the farewell tour, but they tell me it happened. Felt like I was on autopilot, but the one thing I do remember is that that one hour on stage playing the music still sounded as good as it ever did. But it just wasn't making up for the other 23 hours of a day. It was sad for me. I always loved singing and writing my songs and telling my story. It was as much therapy as it was ministry. But the road and being gone all the time was just mind-numbing. It left me with a grim resolve. I might have felt a little like Abraham, feeling like God wanted him to sacrifice his son, Isaac, because I was putting the one thing I loved most on the altar of sacrifice simply for the sake of sanity and a right-standing relationship with the God I knew. But through those final concerts, there was a lot of other things going on. Randy Thomas approached me about starting a new band. We would call it the Duncan Thomas Alliance. I actually thought about it for a week, but I started to realize it was just getting out of the frying pan and into the fire. Starting over with another band? I would be right back where I started. Kevin Thompson would later approach me on the phone, saying, we have an opportunity to go over to Europe. It sounded just like Kevin to come up with a way to string me along. Absolutely not, I told him. It was always easy to imagine that the next gig was going to be better. But I was starting to recognize that carrot in front of the mule. Nevertheless, the rest of the band agreed to go to Europe for a few more dates. And if I didn't want to go, they would replace me. A week later, I got a call from Bob Carlisle a longtime friend of the band who did background vocals with us from the earliest of days. He sounded deeply apologetic when he told me he wanted to take the job as lead singer because he needed the money, but he wanted my blessing. I had no problem with it, and we would remain friends simply because he called me about it. I would never hear much about what they did over in Europe, except that Bob Carlisle said it was not fun, and it didn't feel good to think that maybe the band could go on without me, but it was something of a confirmation in my mind that I didn't regret my decision. I had started feeling like every one was making decisions for me and that I needed to grow up and accept my own responsibilities for what I was doing. Being on the road all the time had stunted my growth. For a decade, I'd been recording songs and then going out and playing the same 10 songs for about a year and then starting over. I paid no attention to my own business. Most of the time, I had no idea how much we made per concert and I definitely didn't know how much product sales were coming in. On the road, cash was just stuffed in a briefcase like a slush fund and we would take money out as we needed. None of us were keeping track of the paperwork. To this day, we have no idea how many records we sold on the road or how much money came in from it. I didn't care about the business, and I was even unaware of the royalties that I was making from writing songs that were being split four ways. For me, the money was never important. That is, until it wasn't there, and it would only highlight that I had been irresponsible with my own life. There's a reason why the music industry thrives on fresh, young talent. Because we mostly don't even know the questions to ask. There was one word in the contract with Light Records that we didn't understand 
understand and we overlooked. That word was cross-collateralization. That meant that the record company could tack pretty much anything onto your record budget as an expense. You know, like company meetings or dinners on the town or paying for the choir on somebody else's record. And if one record didn't sell very well, they could tack that expense onto your next record. I would also discover that the addendum we made to the contract in the first place was never signed by both parties. Therefore, it did not apply. The more I learned, the worse I felt. But to this day, I still hate the minutia of accounting. But part of growing up is learning how to do stuff you don't like. And the truth is, I have no resentments or regrets after investing all of my time and efforts into the Sweet Comfort Band. I got to do what I loved for a decade. I'm proud of the work we did, and I'm sure my songs benefited greatly from having a band to bring them to life. Decades later, I still hear from people about how our songs impacted their life growing up, but after 11 years, I certainly couldn't see it. But in hindsight, it's kind of like the farmer planting a field. It doesn't look much different after the seeds are in the ground. It always sounds romantic when they say to follow your dreams, but it's like the poster at a theater for a movie you haven't seen. Yeah, it looks good on paper, but you still haven't experienced the plot twist. But starting a band wasn't the biggest decision any of us ever made. No, what kept us together through thick and thin was believing that there was a higher power behind it and a divine plan that was better than our own. But whether you follow Jesus or not, there comes a time in everyone's story where you have to turn the page and start another chapter of your life where you don't know how it's going to end. And personally, I think the uncertainties are easier to face when you're walking and trusting in Jesus, believing that he actually does have a plan for your life and the aerial view to see it through. I know this sounds like the end of the story, but things are just getting started. This is just another episode in Jesus and Music on Nutshell Sermons, and even telling these stories is a plot twist to starting this podcast that I didn't see coming. A year ago, I had no idea what I was going to do when the COVID pandemic had pretty much left me unemployed for three years. And once again, Jesus has walked me through the uncertainty of the future. Things are changing so fast, but one thing that hasn't changed is our need to encourage one another. And I have you to thank for supporting something you believe in.